Yep. And welcome back to Talking Knicks. The Knicks played three games this week. Couple L's. They're kind of fun. Quickly goes swimming for a little bit in a rivers when he was hot, but they lost that game. We've got the gang to talk about it. GP Sweezy, TP Sweezy, and Big BB Sweezy. Let's do it. Let's talk Knicks. Welcome back to Talking Knicks. January, we're putting it in our rear view. Because it was kind of just like 2020 and everyone, oh, it's the 13th month. Nobody said that joke specifically, but we're going on to February. The Knicks are still entertaining. I gave Tibbs the coach of the year today, uh, midway through the Clippers loss, just because, I don't know, it's kind of nice to just watch the Knicks and be like, this isn't terrible. Uh, let's go around the horn with it, boys. Greg Poon, GP Sweezy, as you're being called in the streets. How Doing are well. you? Doing well. Had a nice little little weekend. I like interacted with people for like the first time since like March. Very, very forgot what it was like. Like hung out with my friends from college. A small group of people within the New York allowance under ten. It was fun. It was crazy. I saw a video of you dancing, Greg. What that was, was that just, all about? Um, so someone like asked me a question, like if you had to play one song to get the party started, what would it be? And I said, uh, <laughs> "Over my head, cable car by the fray." And they, and they the fray. said that was like an emo vibe. <laughs> so then I just recorded a video of me dancing to it, and I think I got the party started. I think I succeeded. You proved that person wrong yeah, entirely. The, Yes. It works yeah. for you. They don't just know. They don't know how to vibe to the fray. That's all there is to it. And you that. know what? A fantastic tunage. And yeah, I mean, sometimes you got to come at it from a different angle, and that's why we have Tom Piccolo, TP Sweezy, on the pod. Uh, usually turns on Vanessa Carlton to start the party. Tom. And I walked 500 miles this weekend. Mm. I, did, I, I was very active. Uh, my, my wife came back from New Hampshire. We, we took the dog to the park. We were outdoors a lot for it being just freezing. So cold, huh? We should talk more about the weather on this podcast. So it's cold. cold. So cold. It's cold. This is, Jess's, this is Jess's first Northeast winter. <laughs> she is not having a good time. <laughs> it has been pretty brutal, but... No, we, we braved the cold, did a lot of climbing, as you guys all love to hear about. Mm. Can't get enough of the climbing. But uh, I don't know. It was, it was a weekend. It was a weekend. No and climbing, that's important. Your wife is still your wife, which I know a lot of the Talking Knicks listeners were concerned about. Yes. No. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was, well, you, that's shouldn't, like you, got shouldn't, it. you shouldn't end on the no. Yes, we are still married. Yes. Yes. Yeah, technically you're still married. You're not supposed to wear your wedding ring when you climb. That's the only reason I don't have it on. The law firms are closed on the weekend. Big baby David, speaking of weather, big weather on the way. How are you, big baby? Not bad. I'm preparing for the big weather. Uh, I kind of, it was like 6.30. We finished eating dinner and, um, my dad hit me with it's going to be like over 20 inches 
like of you snow? better have you better like have a continuity plan. I was like, oh, there's snow out yet. He's like, no. I'm like, all right, guess I'll drive to the office. So, because I, I had nothing to be productive tomorrow if I can't go in. I've... So I went and I grabbed my hard drive, came back. Uh, right when and it just like started snowing. Like, if I waited any longer, I couldn't have done the quick there and back. But we're, we're here now. So, is there going to be, is there going to be Did 20 you... inches where I am? I feel like I'm close to you. And I, I heard it was going to snow, but I didn't, I didn't know what that meant. Yeah, I don't know. I have no well estimates kind of mean nothing to me, but he's like but when he threw that number out there and then he mentioned in the same breath actually that the record is like twenty six, I think, in New York. And, and he's like, Yeah, so You'd rather heard, get the record than get like twenty four inches of snow and be like, Yeah, we had the second most inches of snow. Yeah, that would yeah. suck. I well heard the twenty six was I think two years ago, which so it was recent. I remember that. I, yeah, I heard twelve to eighteen. It's gonna be a real one, so it's it's that it's little happened, bit. It of... has like the worst timing to it for the commute tomorrow, which is pretty brutal. sure. And positive news: met Noodle this weekend. So oh. that's true. That's true. I uh, I tricked uh, Big Baby David. We went into the office on Saturday. We're company men. We just work. Um, and uh, I convinced Big Baby David because I'm moving uh, on Friday. Uh, to the apartment building next door. So uh, I needed some boxes and stuff. So we had a nice little U-Haul trip, convinced them to drive me home, and Noodle mauled him pretty good. I prepared BBD for the worst, but they got through it. It was kind of, it was nice, I think. Yeah, it was not bad, and I knew the interaction had to happen at some point. A uh, bit towards the mask a little bit, which frightened yeah. me, but there's enough wiggle room there, and I think he has enough experience biting at the mask to not get face. So that was good. He's a, he's an anti-masker. Um, enough about my dog. Uh, guys, well, I'm glad everyone's doing kind of well and getting ready for a snowstorm. Uh, we had a storm of Knicks basketball this week as the Knicks went on to play the Utah Jazz out in beautiful Salt Lake City. And guys, I, I made a Rivers joke on the intro. Tied it to that quickly swimming gift. Wasn't planned. Whatever. Happened. Uh, Austin Rivers came out and was on fire. It was awesome. Quiver show a little bit. Uh, Knicks had a big lead in this game. And then, holy smokes, TFA, things fall apart. Uh, Greggy, I think you had some of the numbers on it. Because, I, you know, that first qu- fourth quarter sticks out. 28-13, but it was even worse than yeah, that. Yeah, so I mean the Knicks came out not great, but they were they were better than the Jazz. Jazz were not hitting any threes at all in the first half. We uh we hopped out to a fifteen point lead. Um that was our high in the in the second quarter. Ended up at up thirteen at halftime. Jazz just slowly, slowly chipped away, made everything terrible. Um this was a, a slow death throughout the, the second half. We're up one after three quarters. We're up 81 to 80. And in that fourth quarter, the Jazz started out on a 19 to three run. So, so we're losing 100 to 84 after being up 81 to 80 to start the, the quarter, which is bad, honestly, in my, my opinion. So at least, at least it wasn't like, uh, Oh, 
a heartbreaker down the stretch loss. We got the losing out of the way pretty early in that fourth quarter. But they they did a good job breaking our heart, even though it wasn't close down the stretch. But it's beautiful. Beautiful. Tom, we, we were talking pre-show about this a little bit, and again, it's funny reliving the box score because you see the Barrett three from three from three, and you're like, okay, what? That that jumps out. Rivers obviously went nut job, and then you start going through the rest of the box score, and it kind of gets ugly quick. But what uh, what, what do you remember from this game? Well, I mean, that, that first half was fun. Like, everybody on NBA Twitter was kind of just checking out League Pass and being like, Austin Rivers is doing what? We were getting tweets from like Steph Curry and all the stars around the NBA were like, okay, Austin Rivers doing your thing. But, you know, he didn't score a point in the second half. And I don't know, he didn't come in until late in the third quarter. He sat for a long time after his hot streak. And I, I mean, we called it in our group chat, just like he's not going to still have it after all this time. He sat for way too long. Um, I'm not going to call that on Thibs. Like, I don't think this game is going to be winnable either way. It was just a curious choice. Like, Thibodeau doesn't seem to really honor the hot hand that much. I know we've seen before, like, he'll ride out certain certain lineups if he thinks that lineups are performing well. But individual players, it doesn't seem like he cares about too much. I don't know if you guys think any differently there. Yeah, and another part of that was oh. Rivers picked up his third foul during his hot streak. So he had a, a cheap one where he was just trying to stop the break which Clyde is always not a fan of. He always points that out. And then he had he picked he picked he up an that. offensive foul when he, he elbowed someone in the face. I guess you're not allowed to do that anymore. So they 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 Soft. pulled him out in the second quarter and then he never got that rhythm back. Ended up with zero points in the second half after 25 in the first half. I think he what was he 10 for 10 from the field to start? 10 for 10 in the first half, and he finished the game 10 for 14 overall. So And it was magical. 0 for 4, 0 for 2 from it, 2. It was magical. It's, it's it's impressive. It, that 10 for 10 run it really makes awesome. It makes yeah. it crazier when you think about, like, Clay Thompson scoring 37 points in a quarter because this 25 points and a half was crazy. It does yeah. put that in perspective. <laughs> yeah. I think the characters in play there matter too a little bit as well, but no, I mean Clay, Clay going full nut job like that is is an insane one. And yeah, I, man, Tom, when when you said it, I was taken back to they did the post game show. Bill DePito, am I saying that right? Uh, hot boy of summer. He uh, he was like in shock. He's like, how how could Rivers have not have been in to start? the the second half and if even if it's not to start even if you're going to roll the starters like at the first sign of anything going wrong put in the guy that was just 10 for 10 one shot shy of the Knicks record for like perfect field goal percentage to start a game yeah he uh I mean halftime itself was probably going to cool him off a little but just the fact that there was that much time in between when he came out and when he came in I didn't think there was any chance he was going to be able to keep that up. And that kind of proved to be true. But, you know, on the other end of the ball, I, I will say Donovan Mitchell had himself a terrible game. And the fact that we kind of got beat up so badly without the the jazz leading scorer, it kind of was problematic. Um, but Mitchell finished three of 15 from the field. 
Um, I thought RJ Barrett did a really good job on him, but pretty much everybody did because he was just completely off his game. Um, Gobert caused problems again. Like he finished with 19 points, or I'm sorry, with 18 points, 19 boards, but he was, he had four blocks and was just very dominant on the inside. And I think Mitch really struggled with that. Um, Mitch himself only just had seven points, seven boards and didn't really do a whole lot. He was, uh, he was a team worst. Mitch was a team worst minus 15 when he was on the floor and he just couldn't really do anything with Gobert, which has kind of been, uh, you know, a, a pattern. Gobert always seems to give him some, some troubles. He's a similar type of player in terms of his impact, but he's just a lot better at it than Mitch. So there's no like contrasting styles so much as he's just like much more skilled and, and a smarter defender at this point in his career, which you'd expect from like an all pro defender versus Mitch, who's just still a young guy developing. But in general, this game, I don't have too much more to even say about it. Like Julius Randle was the high, it was uh, he had 18 points, but on six of 16 shooting, he was very inefficient in this one. Um, nothing even really jumps to mind when I think of Randall in this game. Um, I don't know you guys have anything to, I mean, quickly, I guess we talk about quickly. Anyone want to jump yeah, in on that? That's the only one. It's like, this was the game after quickly's 31 point game against the Blazers. Um, everyone was looking for like the first Alfred Payton mistake to be like, all right, get quickly in there and quickly across the game goes one for 11 over four from deep, knock down all four free throws. Cause that's what he does. Um, but then Peyton like didn't pick up the slack because why would he? Because uh, he also goes two for seven, four total points. <laughs> he only got two assists as well, which is hilarious. Like, what do you what do you do here? Yeah, the uh, that that is kind of glaring. I mean, the ones that jump out in a bad way is quickly. It's Burks and it's Payton and it's just, you know, you, you guys were out there for a lot of minutes, even Mitch too, uh, Tom, I mean, you touched on it, but I mean, Mitch played 31 minutes and you look at that box score and that's, that's like, um, you know, even, even field goal attempts and you see what Gobert did and, you know, getting 19 and 19 points, 18 boards or vice versa. Like that's, that's a big day at the office. Um, and the last, the last time the Knicks played the jazz, I believe Mitch like kind of dominated Gobert. Like Gobert got embarrassed at the party, so it was a little bit of a revenge right. by Gobert. Yeah, because usually it is Gobert getting the better of him. But you're right. Last game when the Knicks actually kind of upset the Jazz, and actually it was the last Jazz loss was the Knicks beating them a few weeks ago. It had been sometimes the Jazz were a hot team coming into this one. But you're right. Uh, Mitch did have that one good game against Gobert, and he wasn't able to sustain it in this one. He only way, had, actually only had nine points that game, but he he had 14 boards, a couple assists, a couple steals, three blocks. The, so I assume Gobert was high energy caught yeah. some mistakes there. The the Jazz are currently the second team in the West. They're 15 and five. Um, so I mean, losing in Salt Lake, it's just kind of how it happened, uh, especially when you get you know, make or miss league. We always say that and you get a performance like Austin Rivers had to to have that melt away is a bad feeling, but Jazz are the two seed and the Clippers are the, the one seed right now, which we'll get to them. But in between those, uh, we played Believeland, the Cavaliers. We get probably a top three gift from this season with the quickly swim. Um, the final score comes out to 102-81. Uh, 
big night from quickly 25 points, five of eight from three, um, 24 points from RJ Barrett, uh, 16, eight and six from Randall. Um, BBD, I'll send it right back to you. We'll go the reverse way. Nixon, Nixon, your caps. Well, again, quickly, kind of the story. He had, he had the, uh, he had a couple four point plays. One of them was waved off, but he hit the other one, which was kind of cool. The play I remembers, he had like the kick out to the side, which I don't think I'd seen before because they've cracked down on like the kicking forward because that's a foul now. Um, First time I've noticed the kick out to the side. Got a foul call there. That was cool. The swim gif was awesome. And yeah, he and RJ getting combining for 49 points. It's like kind of kind of ideal. And they won. Handily. Yeah, and he was he was doing it yeah. all. And then in addition to the to the, the two threes down the stretch in the fourth quarter, which pretty much just sealed the deal. To start the game, he came out aggressive and he hit like a a step back wow. corner three, which we haven't really seen from him. We've only really seen the the set shots and the deep threes. But it, that was good to see that he has that in his bag, which I hadn't seen before. And I think what really won them this game was the defense. I mean, they gave up 81 points to a professional basketball team in 2021. That's insane. Like I, I saw some numbers that was like the one of the lowest scores this season like i mean the last time that new york played cleveland we lost 106 103 in that game andre drummond had 33 points and 23 boards in this one he had four points and still 15 boards but like drummond was just a non-factor in this one entirely i put that on mitch and honestly noel too like the bigs really came to play in this one and dominated the interior and that was just a huge difference in this game. Um, I mean, you look at points in the paint. The Knicks had 48 points in the point paint to Cleveland's 38. So there's a plus 10 right there. Um, and yeah, Andre Drummond's their best player, and he did nothing. So it's going to be a yeah. You know, you're going to hopefully get the result you want. With yeah, that and outcome. we some sometimes we're a plus minus pod. Other times we're not if it doesn't work for us. Some really fun so plus cool. minuses in this game. Uh, Nerlens Noel a plus 24. RJ Barrett plus 27, um, quickly 19 river 17. So, uh, you know, I, when you mentioned the interior defense, you know, I, I talked about Mitch's box score in Utah, not jumping out. Nerlens Noel's doesn't at all, but, um, I mean that plus 24 is kind of a, a whoa. Yeah. And to go with the, the defense that Tom pointed out, um, the Cavs shot 34.5% from the field in this game, 29 for 84. That's, Pretty bad. They scored 33 points in the first half. They had 17 in the first quarter, 16 in the second quarter. The Cavs actually started this game winning by 10. Knicks gave them a head start. Uh, it was 13-3 to three out, of, out of the oh, gate. Yeah. Knicks looked absolutely terrible. Um, but the Cavs somehow just looked... They uh, Us winning after the first quarter, 19-17, was a, was a complete shock to anyone who watched this game. It it was it wasn't really basketball. I don't know what was happening. And then um Yeah, it was the old it was the ultimate how do we have yeah, a lead. Exactly. And then I'll I'll mention that last game we played the the Cavs, uh Sexland was out. Sexton and Garland were both out and uh they were both back in this one. Dotson got benched. He he uh 
kind of put the nail in the coffin on us in the last game, even though he wasn't particularly good throughout the entire thing. But we played good defense on on both of them for the most part. I mean, Garland has has pretty decent numbers, nine for seventeen with twenty four points. But Sexton, their best player, along with Drummond, as Tom uh, Tom mentioned, he was only six for eighteen in this game, and he uh he had done work to the Brooklyn Nets. He just cat this Cavs team had won back to back games against the Brooklyn Nets post Harden trade. So this is no slouch slouch of a team so we should be happy with what we did but again this was a situation where Alfred Payton came out and in his 23 minutes was one of six from the field had two points two turnovers to his three assists and quickly just in every facet of the game just the amount of I've said it before just the energy that he brings to the game and like just the the enthusiasm and just the spirit the team plays with when he's on the floor is the, the identity changes of the team when quickly is on the, on the floor. And, you know, he finished, we said the 25 points, but it was just, it was everything else too. You know, it's, it's just so much more fun. And it looks like the team's having more fun when Quickly's out there with Peyton. It just, it bogs down the offense and, and quickly just brings so much confidence and, and just good vibes. He's, it's all about the vibes guys. It is all about the vibes. I keep coming back to that with him just because <laughs> like, like just looking at the numbers, they are good just across the board this season from him. But like it really is just the way everything feels when he's been on the floor compared to when he's not. It, it is all the intangibles. The only thing I could throw out there, because this was kind of my, my shower thoughts today, um, and you know, not to fully take us to the Clippers game, but he has the moment with Lou Williams. It's talked about how, you know, he daps up Lou Williams, says you're one of my favorite players. He's talked about it before. Um, do you think, because quickly has been a huge win this season, um, you know, from an excitement standpoint, from a basketball standpoint, do you think there's any chance that it's Tibbs saying, we want to keep building on this with quickly? Um, I, I don't know. Is it a, you lose Alfred if you, if you start starting him? I know that shouldn't be his concern, but or, is it more so, hey, we like what Quickly's doing in this role, so we don't want to change that? I, I, or am I just trying to make blind excuses for Tibbs at this point? No, that makes sense because I mean, if I've definitely heard that. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, like you're mentioning, if you put Quickly in that starting lineup, then Alfred Payton is your backup point guard with that second unit, which you know then we'll be calling for his his head to to just sit on the bench. It'll. Just need to keep pushing Alfred Payton back and back in the in the depth chart. I don't know if that's a good reason to start. Somebody, I don't know. Though. It's just <laughs> we we want him to be bad with good players around him rather than be bad with bad players around him. I guess. I mean, I'm not saying that Payton should be getting zero minutes. I mean, maybe if if Frank's actually healthy, then I would like to see that more. Sure, but. Like I think that there's a world where quickly can start. We've seen enough of quickly with Barrett and Randall on the floor. There's been some concern that like you know maybe quickly will be less aggressive with these other two kind of ball dominant guys, and he won't be used as well offensively. We've seen enough of quickly in the lineup with those guys to know that's not the case. Like he has found that balance. He's a he's a very smart player for for a rookie for such a young guy. I think it's possible for him to start with that unit and to still get minutes with the second unit and, and have him go from that kind of maybe more tertiary score 
to leading that second unit and being the the lead ball handler in those lineups. I don't think it's like an either or. He can still, you know, get those minutes and there's there'll be time for Alfred Payton to get his 20 minutes or whatever to kind of junk it up. But, you know, we see guys who start lead lineups with secondary units. That happens and quickly can can do it too is is I guess my pushback on that. No, I mean I mean it makes sense and I you you wonder how it also looks because if if he's running with the first unit more is he seeing better defenders it's that whole conversation uh what's he running into that you know does does Alfred Payton end up looking better on the second team because he's running into other second team players I don't know um I, I think as a Knicks fan that itch has to be there for quickly and we'll see how everything plays out as we get closer to the trade deadline and we see what Payton Peyton's up to Dennis Smith Jr. with Westchester. I don't know if we'll talk about that. Um, and yeah, Tom, you mentioned Nilakina before, and I, I think we'll we'll end up there. Uh, anything else on the Cavs game? I, I think we we should wrap up the Clips game, and then we could get into some of these Knicks convos. Yeah, just real quick because I think it'll come up after. This was the second game in a row where Knox only got eight minutes of play, and then you'll hear in this Clippers when he got zero minutes. So just Put a pin in that. I will probably talk about Knox at some point, but this was kind of the this was the first week where he really started getting uh, filtered out of the the lineup and the rotation. Yeah, the the Knox Frank Toppin DSJ lineup uh, hasn't been getting its run, um, which leads us to a fun Sunday game. Uh, the Clippers come to the Garden. Uh, Paul George and Kawhi are back for them. And man, we had a really fun first half of basketball. Uh, if you look at the game flow chart that's that, that's on ESPN or wherever you go look at it, I mean, it's back and forth throughout uh, the first half of that game. Clips go out to a little run. Knicks try to sneak back in. They do get it to 105-103 and, and quickly misses a three-point shot. Uh, and then they just ran away with it and kind of kept that 10-point 10 point plus NBA buffer um, quickly got it going again, which is awesome. And again, like as, as much fun as Nick Knicks fans have had in a while, Julius Randall, I mean, 27, 12 and five. Uh, it, it still is incredible. The year he's having RJ Barrett, 23 on nine of 14 shooting quickly with 25. Um, and I guess the reason I'm saying all those guys is because when, when you look around everybody else, pretty quiet, but, I, hey, again, this is the number one team in the West, two of the best players in the league. But the second half was, uh, eh, eh. I don't know that we can be too upset about that. Like, this Clippers team was just on fire. Like, they were they were finished 17 of 38 from three, so about 45%. And I don't even know if that really tells the whole story. I don't think that it was entirely like the Knicks – faulty defense granted they do give up a lot of open wide open threes we know that um and that they've been relatively lucky compared to other teams as far as like them missing wide open threes in this game they were not lucky the clippers just hit everything they were hitting contested threes difficult ones i I feel like guys who are even not usually that strong of three point reggie jackson was three of six from three um serge abaca three of four from three i know he's he's fine but like these guys were all hitting Patrick Patterson hit all three of his, and he really hadn't been playing much coming into this game. So the role players were stepping up in addition to the the stars coming to play. So 
I mean, Kawhi just kept got he got to line at will. Though I will say, I I really liked the competitiveness of R.J. Barrett, especially to start the game. Like he was taking it to Kawhi, he was taking the challenge of defending him, and even after the game, Kawhi had some nice things to say about R.J. Barrett, saying that he he said, "quote The sky's the limit," depending on how hard Barrett's going to work. And Kawhi doesn't have to say something like that, um, but he was just very impressed with his competitive spirit, and that was cool to hear because you know R.J. Did he he brought it in this game? He played. He was one of the few guys who did play very very well, and um, yeah, it's good to hear Kawhi kind of sing his praises. Yeah, so RJ started this game with 14 in the first half. I was hanging with my friend. He bet on the over under 17 and a half points for RJ Barrett. So I was tracking. We were tracking his stat line fairly closely. So he had 14 in the first half, got up to 16 in the third quarter, and then he he was. He only scored two points in that third quarter, and then it was a it was a little while. He was sitting on the bench for a good chunk of time in that fourth quarter, and then he finally came in and put us over the hump, put us over the seventeen and a half points, and ended up with twenty three. So he he didn't have the strongest second half. Um, some of those points were were that he finished up with were with the game out of hand as much as it as much as it was. I mean, this wasn't a blowout, but. He kept us in the game for the first half, and then he was pretty absent in that third quarter, but he was good overall. And they took him out for for a good stretch in that fourth quarter, which was pretty surprising because my dad and I were like watching. For, we're watching together today, and we're, there's like six minutes left in the fourth, and we're like, "Hey, where, where's RJ at? Did he did his stats like fall off in the third? Not really. Like the numbers were still." good like, yeah and that no rj should have been in like uh, rivers i thought i thought was kind been of like, struggling and they should have been in like RJ several minutes in. earlier yeah yeah tom mentioned tom there mentioned was, that um they got it to 105 103 and then quickly missed a three-pointer when it was uh 107 103 but the the lineup that was in that game with in a in a two or four point game with six minutes left was was kind of tough, honestly. RJ wasn't in. Julius Randle wasn't in. Taj Gibson was in. It, it was it was odd. I mean, it, and you just had quickly pulling up from like pretty deep for three. And it, honestly, I wasn't complaining because there wasn't really anyone in the game who was balling out who was worth passing to. You had Alec Burks, Austin Rivers, Taj Gibson, and Obi Toppin were in the game with him in a four point game in the fourth quarter. I mean, I guess those guys led a mini charge back, but. That's just not a. That's just not a lineup that's going to overcome the the Clippers. And we we had a good laugh in in the group chat. Uh, we had a good laugh. Uh, Taj Gibson came in and he was just being Taj Gibson, which is uh, kind of a hilarious, beautiful thing to see. I mean, he just does what he does. Um, and he every time Paul George, kind of the only guy who had a. a kind of a tough night for the Clippers and he still got his in a way. Uh, Taj Gibson was just rocking them every time he came through the court and you could see, you could see Paul George, like just that little bit of quit come over. I'm like, what am I doing? Taj Gibson's popping me coming across the paint. Why? Uh, but you are right, Greg. And I, I do remember as, as much love as we're given RJ, there was also, they had that steal. I, I forget what the score was, but they had the steal late in the fourth, and R.J. Barrett tried to take it himself. It looked like he had an easy pocket pass there. I think that would have made it a one-point game. And, uh, you know, 
it's it's kind of that catch twenty two with RJ being so young. You love the aggression, um, but that also felt like a pivot point because I think Clippers came back and hit a three, and just like that, mentally you went from one point game to to a six point game or whatever it was, which against a team like the Clippers, you just can't do. Yeah, and it was coming off such a nice defensive play from Barrett too. Like that was a just straight up one on one. I think he stole it from Kawhi if I remember if I'm remembering it correctly. Like it was just a very impressive defensive play. He stole it, was going the, the length of the floor. And, and if, you know, if he converted that, he would have been a hero. But you're right, he did have numbers, and he did not. He wanted to be the hero, and, and he, he wasn't uh, in that instance. And that happens. But, I don't know, you, you do want to see Barrett improve his touch around the rim. Not necessarily. Like in this one, he was very solid from the field. But overall, <laughs> actually, I found a play that they actually credited him for a layup. Um, both ESPN and NBA.com credited him for a made layup when actually it was a Mitch tip-in. Um, that was kind of a, a funny statistical quirk. So I think RJ was actually had one did, fewer bucket. Do we like know for sure Mitch tipped it? Because I remember on the broadcast they they pointed out like Mitch then like pulled his hands away after. Breen said he tipped it on the broadcast, and I watched it a few times. I think it was coming off the cylinder. I guess I'm not 100% sure, but the, I'm, both NBA and ESPN gave it to RJ, so you know, who am I? I could be wrong. They're wrong, Tom. You're right. <laughs> I didn't. That was just kind of a funny statistical thing, but I, think, I don't know. I think they had the RJ Bear over, <laughs> too. <laughs> um, I don't know. Anything else from this, Beavers? I'll, I'll, I'll mention that we saw Marcus Morris in this one, our good friend, who who turned into a man yeah. real quickly. He kind of hit a dagger on us during that during a little bit stretch there, he put us away. Made the score one twelve, one hundred three. But uh, good to see him. I honestly love that guy. We he he saved us a lot of. We had a lot of bad times last season, and he was a bright spot. He was the Julius Randall of last season. Turned into a lot more bright spots because his then, pick uh, more or less became quickly. Yeah, and Julius Randall was the. And then the last thing I'll say is uh, Julius Randle was the Emmanuel or was the Alfred Payton of last season, and now he's the, <laughs> he's the Michael Jordan of this season. What a what a what a world! Yeah, yeah. Tom, Tom, what back to you. Uh, just that Reggie Bullock returned from his injured neck for the first time and got the start in this one. Uh, had got twenty six minutes. We were kind of all wondering how he was going to fit into this rotation, and I guess the answer ended up being that Nerlens Noel. Uh, didn't play with a strained groin, so it kept the kept the rotation to just ten players. But um, you know, Taj got the minutes, I guess, in place of Noel, and no, and Knox got no time at all, which was kind of a bummer. I mean, I know he's been bad the last several games, called seven or eight games or whatever. Um, but he's still the young guy. He still started so hot at the beginning of the season from three. He's still on the season shooting about thirty nine percent from three. So overall, he's still one of that shooting. And I, I said it before, but when he's when he is shooting poorly, like a lot of guys will try and impact the game and be like, okay, what else can I do to help us win? And Knox isn't like that at all. He's like the um, on the opposite end of the spectrum. When he's not hitting, he just kind of gives up. He's like, what's the point? Of all this, he doesn't play defense. He gets beat back door a lot for for the little amount of time he's in. He gets beat back door a surprising amount. 
Um, I feel like Alfred Payton also gets beat back door a lot, um, but that's a whole different story. But bottom line, Reggie Bullock came back in this one. Knox was out. And uh, I guess we could talk more about that if we want to. Yeah, and Bullock, Bullock comes back, and obviously he's a guy that Tibbs... He's take a lot of shots, but uh, a guy who's in the right spots, and if you give him an open look, he's going to make it. I will say this, and, and this is the part where, you know, I, I think there's going to be some interesting conversations because, Greg, you texted midweek and said, you know, are the Knicks a playoff team, which is always the scariest thought you can have as a Knicks fan. And yet at the same time, Tom, when you – you know, as much as I romanticize an old Taj Gibson just throwing bows at Paul George, oh for four from the field, he had the second worst plus minus on the team. And when I see that and I see Kevin Knox didn't play, that's a tough feeling. That's a tough feeling because, you know, Toppin gets in there, he gets a couple minutes. Um, Kevin Knox is still younger than Obi Toppin by almost a year and a half. Not, not that age is everything, but you know, I, I think this leads us to kind of the full, what are we doing? Because Greg, when you texted that, uh, I laughed because, you know, this is something as Knicks fans, we brainwash ourselves into like every other year. They get off to a okay start. I say that they're now nine and 12. But when you look at the teams above them right now with the Hornets, the Cavaliers and the Hawks, um, the Magic's got met the Magic's Magic got hit by the injury bug. Who knows what's going on with the Raptors in the heat right now that if if this Tibbs coach team keeps playing defense and gets buckets on certain nights, we're going to have hope this year. Um, and it's with guys getting healthy because we had some injuries kind of leading into the season. This minutes game is going to get really tricky really quick. And with that whole speech you gave on Knox, Tom, I mean, if Kevin Knox starts getting DNP CDs, it feels like a dude that you can lose pretty quickly. No pun intended. <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's all right. I, you know, he is kind of the, the type of player that you expect sort of mentally to kind of disengage a little. I you know I don't know the guy personally, but just from his body language on the floor and and kind of what we've seen from him, it is he is the type of player where you you think you kind of lose him from a self self-esteem and confidence perspective. Um, and, and that clearly matters a lot. Uh, I mean, Frank, another DNP CD, he was a guy who, you know, Kenny's not on right now. He's the biggest Frank fan among us. I just wrote an article for fan sided kind of outlining the reasons why I thought that Frank deserved minutes on this team. And a lot of it did have to do with the fact that Alfred Payton, I, I just don't, he just is such a wrench in the, the offense at this point. Like I, clipped a bunch of plays where Julius Randle was drawing double teams, kicking it out to Alfred Payton and Payton was just hesitant to shoot and then turning it over. There were a lot of those. I had to be very selective about which ones I put in the article. Um, he's Alfred Payton is often a problem on offense. And I feel like Frank wouldn't necessarily be, but, and, and then to your point on, on Gibson getting those minutes. I guess you would like to see Toppin play some of those minutes at center, maybe a few more minutes of Randall at center. And then that opens up the four for Kevin Knox. At this point, it does kind of feel like we're, we're almost picking nits because um, the team has been a lot better than we expected. The word playoffs was just mentioned unironically <laughs> moments earlier. So like Thibs is doing a great job. We have to recognize that, but at the same time you do want to see, the youth get 
opportunities. And when they're not, it, it does make you kind of question things. Yeah. And the, there's expanded playoffs this year that you still get the play play in games for the seven and eight seeds. So even if we're in the nine and 10 spot, we, we're going to have a chance to get into the playoffs. So that, that makes it a little more interesting, too. That's kind of like in the MLB where they add the extra playoff team, so you don't know who's going to be buyers and sellers. So, I mean, when you when you have – if the Knicks are in 10th, they, they get the playoffs. So even if we're just fighting to, for the 10 spot, they're going to be playing those guys. So it, it makes it even tougher to, to decide if, if, like, the 10 spot is even worth it if it comes to that. But like Jake mentioned – the, the teams ahead of us and the teams behind us is I have no idea what's going on with anyone. You wonder if the Raptors and Heat are going to make their move to assert themselves in the playoff picture where you think they belong, but maybe they just are bad now. I don't know. It's a very weird... The standings are in a very weird spot just with the teams that are ahead of us being teams you can see falling off pretty easily. The Raptors and Heat both, I guess, are bad, but like you assume they'll be in the playoffs when all of a sudden done need more games to happen. So I have a question for you guys, just 21 games into the season, like what or, or who are you most excited about? And Jake, I want to start with you. I think, you know, you might go between whether it's Randall or, or Barrett or quickly, or maybe it's a, a fourth thing that I'm not even thinking of, but what are you guys like most encouraged by? I mean, it's Nerland's Noel. No, I, uh, for me, man, and I, I, I like, I'm mentally struggling with it because I can't believe we're here. But it's Julius Randle, man. on On a night to night basis, he is our best player on the court, and he's sometimes the best player on the court. And like, if you told me I would non-jokingly say there's going to be a chance they pick up his player option after this season, like I'd, I'd have thought that was a lie. Um, so at, on a night-to-night basis, and I, I remember going back to when we originally got him and looking at his Pelican stats, and you know he was putting up 21, 21 points, nine rebounds, three assists, and I, you know, I, I wondered what that looked like. I thought his usage would go up. So I thought, you know, maybe the counting stats might even go up. If Julius Randle goes up to a 23-point-per-game, 10-rebound guy, like that's, you know, that's that's a big-time player. Last year was a mess. Um, I think a lot of it ties to Fizdale. He got a slow start. He wasn't making a lot of shots at all. And it actually did get better as it went on, but we were already mentally checked out after the 4-20 next start. Or was it 4-16, 4 420. Um, it was both. <laughs> I, I thought that number stuck. <laughs> stuck. It was both. Um, that what he's doing on a night-to-night basis. I mean, twenty-two points, eleven rebounds, six assists. Uh, I'm trying. You know, I don't know how I'm going to be able to find it on Basketball Reference, but a player, you know, seven years into his career, suddenly starts doubling his assist numbers. Um, you know, there's there's a couple efficiency things you would you'd like to be better. His three point shooting, you know, the Clippers game, it, he was great. I think he started off three for three. Um, you know, he's shoot, shooting like 35%, which if Julius Randall can do that, you know, that's kind of all you need from him as a stretch and his free throws have been really good. I know he missed, uh, an important one in, in this last game, 
But I, I think, you know, they were saying the numbers. He was like 38 for 41 in his most recent stretch or something. He's shooting 81% from the line on the year, going six and a half times. So, you know, as much as I love, you know, quickly and that storyline and, you know, sometimes we overlook R.J. Barrett, uh, this whole conversation ties to Julius Randle. He's a guy we used to mock on the podcast, and for good reason, if we're being honest. But he's he's looked incredible this year. And it's not even – and, like, it, it, the crazy thing with Randle, with all the stats being where they are, because those are great and, and and all that, but they're not empty stats like last year where, like, yeah, the point numbers were pretty good and he, he was getting boards, but last year it felt like those didn't matter at all. And I was like – I was having like some existential issues with like basketball stats. It's like, do none of these matter? Cause Randall's numbers look good and he is terrible. And this year it's like, no, he, the numbers back up what I'm seeing on the floor and he's translating to winning plays and win, and helping the team win games. The Knicks have won nine of the first it, games it, yeah. of the season. It was a mindset thing, right? Like he just, he looks to get his teammates involved. Sometimes, that's his primary focus is getting his teammates involved. And that was almost never the case last year. He was always just trying to get his, he was spinning into double teams. I mean, I'd imagine that the turnover numbers were much higher last year, but I think I've said before, like his turnovers last year were because he was trying to do too much on his own. This year, his turnovers are from like trying to get his teammates involved, like actually making passes and proactively trying to get other guys involved and get other guys good looks. It's just they're entirely different kinds of turnovers, and it really is just his mentality that's that's changed. So the numbers, even if they were marginally different than last year, they are substantially different. But even if they were just a little bit better, it's it's like BBD said, the way that they are, the way the stats are like manifesting in the game is just so different and such a benefit to, to the whole next team. Yeah, it's helping other people, which is the, like unfathomable part. It's like we figured maybe Randall can do well, but it's not going to help anyone else on the team. I'm like, no, I, I don't, I don't think we see the steps we've seen from some of the other guys without what Randall's doing. This and year. it's crazy because, like, I, I now love Julius Randall. When I watch a play, I just I love this guy. And like Jake mentioned, we we mocked him on the pod, and it wasn't just us; it was every every Knicks fan. I remember, like, during this off season, Knicks Knicks Twitter, the, the official. Twitter account of the New York Knicks wished Randall a happy birthday, and the top comments were like, happy birthday, but we need to trade you immediately. And we were like, ha, this is funny, I agree. But I know I was, I've was i been on this pod trying to trade Julius Randall for Gorgie Jang just to get rid of his contract and get him off the team openly. I've been <laughs> I've been saying that for, for the better part of last season, but now I'm just like, I, I love this guy. It's it's pretty unbelievable turnaround. It'd be like if if Alfred Payton was on the team next year and he was our best player. As as I mentioned, it's it's just not a it's not a believable turnaround. It's it's amazing. Like the Julius Randall spin was a joke. It was an he, active joke. His nickname in basketball reference is Beyblade. Like they added that last year because of how much of a joke it became. Wait, what was that? what was it? Beyblade. It's still on there. On his basketball reference page, it says his nickname is Beyblade, and it's it's a sight. <laughs> but now we celebrate it. And so, so Greg and BBD, are you on? Is Randall the most excited? The thing you're most excited about 
this season. Well, the thing you're most excited about just be, because of it's like the first thing it feels like the Knicks have lucked into in, in my life is quickly. Um, you, I have to say that. Um, Randall, Randall, yes, has been amazing, all that. Um, but quickly, it's like we drafted this guy 25th and everyone thought we reached and like, nope, 20 games into the season, we want him to start very badly. And for the most part, we're like right to want that. And it's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll agree that Randall's my top thing, but we've been chasing this this point guard spot for forever now. Um, we got... Frank, we got DSJ. We, we've been Raymond Felton was like the Raymond Felton was like our most stable point guard in the past few years. We, you know, going back to the days of Chris Duhon, a one-year stopover from Jason Kidd, mm. Steve Francis, Stefan Marbury, but, but the, Jared Jack, Derek yeah, Rose. It just it's been a revolving door, and now there seems to be a little hope that this guy could be the point guard of the future on this basketball team. He can shoot it. He can pass it. He just looks like an NBA basketball player, which, you know, this entire time, Frank's been in the league for four years. We've just been trying to get him to not pass the ball directly to the other team and just stand in the corner and shoot threes, and he hasn't been able to to do that well enough to, to justify any playing time whatsoever on this team right now. So getting a guy at 26 when we we – we didn't hit on that number eight spot um, with with Frank previously, and we traded Porzingis, and we got Dennis Smith Jr., who has relished himself to the G League. Um, it's, it's to see, you know, a, a mid twenties picks that we got from just a, a last minute signing of Marcus Morris turn into something that looks like it could be actually something is that's exciting as well. Tommy, I well maybe I'll walk you into Barrett, or I don't know if that's the lame cop out move or where you want to go with it. But um, I think the only reason that Julius Randle jumped to the forefront of my mind before RJ is that it's every night, man. He he hasn't had a single digit scoring game this season, um, and I think that's it's a little bit of recency bias with RJ because uh, the Portland game he he only had eight, which what whatever it's one game. But actually, in his last nine games, R.J. Barrett, leading up to tonight, playing really good basketball, 20-5, and five, uh, three assists, and he's been making his three-point shots. He he was horrid. I mean, uh, that Charlotte game where he went 0 for 5 from 3, I think we were all sitting here like, yo, if this dude can't shoot, we're screwed. Since then, again, the last nine ball games, he's shooting 47% from 3 on 3.3 attempts, so... I mean, if, if that starts becoming a part of his game, like, again, th- that guy is the cornerstone as of right now. And actually, that is the guy that I was going to say was I was most excited about. And it's funny, you, you brought up that nine-game segment because that's what I pulled up exactly because he's been, he's been unreal. Like, over 20 points per game, very efficient from the field, and it's just been his aggressiveness. He's been getting to the rim. He's been playing at his pace. This kid's only 20 years old. He's he's younger than Quickly. He's he's younger than Mitch Rob. He's younger than all these guys. He's younger than Toppin by a considerable amount. By a and decade. By a full by a full <laughs> calendar decade. Um, <laughs> it's just it's been his 
I, I wrote an article like very early on for Nick's film school last season that was just like RJ Barrett is for real. Like he is a competitor. He plays with force and he cares a lot. Like it's a lot different than a Frank or a lot different than a Kevin Knox just because of how hard he plays. And he kind of like bends the game to his will. And then later in the season, it felt like that take was way premature. And it was just like, this is just another young guy who's like hitting 39% from the field this year. It's been more of what I hoped I would have seen from Barrett. Like he is just, he's getting to his spots and he just, he dictates the speed of the game, the flow of the game. And like, he's powerful guys much older than him just can't seem to check him. It's, it's been wildly impressive to me. And the three point shot is nice. Like you said, he's, he's definitely been hitting the last nine nine or 10 games. Um, but even if it, even if he is just like a 33% three point shooter, which I think is very reasonable for him. It doesn't, that doesn't need to define him as a, like, as a shooter, he can still get up a couple attempts per game, two or three attempts per game and still be a very just productive player by the fact that he gets into the paint, gets to the rim so well, he's starting to develop some kind of mid range and he's been passing. He's been looking for, for Mitch on dump offs. They've been, they've been putting Barrett a ton in the pick and roll. He's been throwing lobs to Mitch. He's been throwing dump offs. Like he's just, he's a low turnover guy. He's, he's, a very good passer and he's been grabbing boards on both sides of the ball. It's like, I, everything has improved for Barrett and it's exactly what you want to see at this point in his early career. And Tom, I'll, I'll, I've got a question from Twitter that I mentioned we would, we would talk about. We have Alex Lorenzo CT asked, uh, do you think it's time to have RJ be the focal point of the offense? Um, you know, we paid Randall for a reason, but RJ has been balling and, Maybe it currently may make sense to to give him the bigger role than than Randall, though. I mean, their their usage rates aren't terribly uh, different based on my quick Google search on StatMuse.com. I got R.J. Barrett with a twenty three point six usage rate usage percentage, and Julius Randall with a twenty seven point five. So maybe swapping those in the near future. Um, I know Randall's been balling, but. I don't know. I don't know if there's. I don't know if he's been. We haven't been feeding him the ball enough. I don't think anyone would say that about R.J. Barrett. But maybe it's time to give him more. No, and and I'm not even. I'm not even ready to like necessarily give him the keys to the offense at this point. I think that the way he's been used has been smart, and like he has been getting a lot of opportunities as the primary ball handler. Honestly, the the last several games, the first play of the game has been an RJ pick and roll with Mitch. It seems like that's been Bibbs's go-to set play. He wants to get RJ going to his left. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but like it's, it's been consistent. Like Barrett is capable of being a primary ball handler, but it only if it's kind of like by committee. I know I've, I've heard a lot of that talk on Nick's Twitter. Everyone wants Alfred Payton out and that the uh, playmaking duty should fall. The split between Barrett and Randall and quickly and like between the three of them, there's plenty of passing to go around. I don't think that that Barrett needs to be like getting the most shot attempts per game. I think Randall is in a good spot. He's in the prime of his career. He's playing the best ball of his career by a wide margin. And he and Barrett have a lot of chemistry together. They're actually working off of each other. I didn't expect that at all last season. I thought that anything Randall did would take away from Barrett. And it just hasn't been the case at all. There's been a lot of synergy between the two of them. 
So I, I'm not going to complain about Barrett's role in the offense at this point. Could he get more ball handling duties if he took them from Peyton? Would that be good for the offense? Maybe, but you'd also see Barrett's turnover percentage go way up, I think. He's still young. He's 20 years old, I said before. Like, I just think at this point in his career, he is in a good role for, for him, and it's not something I would have said last season when Fisdale was the coach or even when Miller was, was coaching. Yeah, I, I only piece I'd add to that, Tommy, is uh, I think you mentioned he's 20. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, Julius Randle, so I talked about the evolution of him a little bit. His scoring game hasn't changed too much. I mean, Julius Randle is physical. He wants to get into your body, get to the tin, uh, and he'll, you know, He'll pull, he's got his spots he likes to pull up from, right? R.J. Barrett's still figuring that out. When we talk about three-point shooting, you know, guys have their spots. Watch LeBron play. You know, LeBron James, not a great three-point shooter, but when he's at that one spot uh, on the side with the angle there, he's going to jab you, and if he gets it off, he's going to make it. Like, that's his spot. R.J. Barrett's still finding out what kind of what his game is on offense. He wants to be physical with you and get to the 10. And he's he's starting to make more of his three. And I think that 33% bar is low, Tom. He was 32% last year. Um, and, you know, a lot of confident problems and just that, how the Knicks were being the Knicks last year. Uh, I almost want to see, like, let him, let what's going on with the Knicks happen. Find some more of your spots. Find your pull-up spot. Find your three-point spot you know, find, find some different parts of your game. And then whether it's next year or the year after that, then Tibbs can maybe give him the Julius Randall speech where it's like, Hey, if you start facilitating more, that's going to open up your game going to the basket even better. So I, uh, I like the idea, but I let it, let it percolate a little more. It'll, It'll happen organically. Naturally. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Where else? Uh, I don't know, BBD. Do we want to go to some like top and knock stuff? Because I mean that that that's the only other thing I I really wanted to discuss a little bit. Not too much. I'm gonna harp <laughs> on it, but like just just like Obi is not fun to watch. Today he he got 13 minutes over two from the field, and both of those were three point attempts. Only one rebound, no steals or blocks or anything. It's like. Like, uh, it's a little bit of chicken and egg stuff, but, like, he's not doing anything well, and it feels like we're not playing in a way that's designed for him to do stuff well. So what what's happening here? Is he an NBA center? Like, just pull the plug on power forward, period? I, I just don't think he's a, he's a stretch power forward. He could be a power forward, but, you know, more in, like, a Sabonis next to... Miles Turner type of way, but like I, like I got the sense. Yeah, I like that. I got the sense that like like preseason and all that. Like, yeah, Obi will like hit some open threes. Like he's not incapable of shooting, uh, and maybe one day that develops into something. But we like only use him as a spot up shooter, and uh, and I mean Tibbs has been right on like ninety percent of every other decision. So like, uh, like I'm trusting the coaching staff, but like the Obi stuff is just very odd for many reasons. Um, but he's like, is 
he's the single most frustrating thing on the season, I think, right? Besides, we want to see less minutes from Peyton, of course. I've got a weird angle I want to take on this um, because we were just talking about how we were mean uh, to Julius Randle in the past. I've, all Knicks fans were. Do we kind of like Toppin? Like, he, I don't know, his energy feels good, kind of. He calls for the ball. He's excited to be out there, but the actual playing of the basketball has looked bad. So, yes. So, to your first point, he has actually only played less than 1% of his time at center. 99% of his minutes have been at power forward. So, we really don't know if he's an NBA center in any way, shape, or form because there's just been no testing of that theory. Um, you know, his, he, part, part of what you're talking about is like the way he moves out there, right? Like it, it's very, I've heard it compared to like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. I, I've, <laughs> I, I've said that it's like someone entering an attic with a low ceiling and just like not wanting to hit their head. He's just kind of always hunched. He's, tall. he's very, but like he, he is tall, but like you kind of don't use your height when you're just so hunched. You lose like six inches. You kind of play at six foot four when you're six foot nine or 10 or whatever. It's, it's not ideal. I don't know. I, he does have good energy. He's, it's not a lack of trying. It's just kind of like his natural movements don't remind me of an NBA basketball player. Um, that's not to say he can't get there. I think there's going to have to be a lot of work in the off season, just like, whatever Steph Curry was doing with like coordination and like a lot of core stuff and just change of directions, just really work on the basics of movement. And I think that we can have a foundation level there and, and sort of build up on that. Cause at this point he's like all shoulders and upper body. He looks like he's been hitting the bench press really hard, but like has never done any deadlifts. And I can relate to that. Like, I don't like deadlifts. Those aren't fun at all. Um, it's made it so that he has a, it seems like he has a hard time kind of changing directions. I did throw a tweet out there um, during the cat. I think it was the Cavs game um, where Toppin actually made like a nice defensive play. He was guarding Torian Prince. He like, he had to stunt down towards a, a pick and roll. I think it was Andre Drummond was rolling and he went down there, helped on the roll, sprinted out to Prince, moved his feet with Prince as he drove baseline and contested a nice mid-range jumper um, that missed. Like Toppin kind of knows what he has to do. It's more about his body allowing him to do it. And I think that's going to be a big uh, focal point of the offseason, just getting his yeah, body. And I'll there. just quickly mention that, you know, his movement does remind me of an NBA basketball player, but unfortunately that NBA basketball player is Chris Humphreys. I mean, if you just look at the tape, I don't think I don't think if there is a highlight reel of Chris Humphreys on YouTube, which which there may not be. I don't know if it has anything to do with basketball. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's really. It is tough when uh, like the main benefit of drafting Obi Toppin was supposed to be that he is going to be the most NBA ready like player in the draft full stop. And it has felt anything, but like, it's, no, that's just, just looks remarkably uncomfortable out there as much as that's, it seems like a very nice kid, but that's a good point. BBD. I mean, there's a lot of well-respected analysts came out and said he should be kind of the favorite for the rookie of the year. Um, I, I will say this, um, 
because it is easy to make our Scooby-Doo jokes as we always do in Chris Humphreys. Um, you know, he did get hurt. He was inactive for a chunk of games there. I want to say he missed 10 games, and then he came back that one game and played one minute because Thibodeau forgot he was hurt Almost or something. That was, that was pretty odd. If you look at the recent box scores, they're not bad. Like, you know, we're, we're talking about some of these Frank memories and some of these, you know, things that are going on with Knox. Like, he's been playing 10 to 15 minutes. He gets a couple shots. He's been shooting 51% over the past, what is that, six, seven games or so? Like, he's not doing anything bad. And I, I think part of it might be, and maybe this is why I was saying before, like, I kind of like him. Obi Toppin is coming from being a star. Like he was the dude in college basketball last year. Um, he ran that Dayton team. He was the man. And that's, I guess that's why I was internally laughing when he comes out and he starts calling for the ball in the post or like clapping for it. Cause it's like, dude, if you've been watching yourself, you, you can't be thinking that, but um, I don't know. He, he looks like a, a college star player that doesn't really know what his role is yet. And I don't know if the Knicks haven't forced his role either. Like we were saying with him basically acting like a spot shooter and not sometimes not even a spot shooter. He took like a contested, like one dribble three in the corner today. That was like, yo, Obi. I think, I think Clyde laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I uh, I did write about Obi for Knicks Film School this past week, and my whole premise was that like he needs to develop some counter moves, and I put together, I strung together a bunch of clips where he just put his head down and drove as fast as he could, and tried to jump up as high as he could and shoot towards the basket, and it just like it wasn't there were no moves. It was just him using his athleticism and his size and his speed to try and get a shot off. And it doesn't work in the NBA. Like I've got one of, um, I think it was, uh, was it Serge Ibaka? Someone just swatted his shot without even jumping. Cause it was so obvious where Toppin was going. And then there was one play against Utah where he finally did a counter move. So like he read what the defense was doing and then ma- went the opposite direction. He had never done that before. I'm not even kidding. I went through a lot of his tape and it, there was one play against Utah where he drove with his left. They they shaded him left, and he spun to his right, and he made a little right-handed hook shot, and it was the first time he'd ever read the defense and made a counter move, and I hope he keeps doing that, and I think he will. I mean, I, there's no reason not to. It's just that's what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to stop relying on his athleticism because guys in the NBA are not the dudes you played against at Dayton. Like These are real NBA, all-world athletes who oftentimes are a similar size to you. And uh, he's going to have to develop, he's got to rely more on his skill and less on his athleticism. So that one play against the jazz was kind of a starting point, And I'm hoping to see more of that going forward. I was yeah. promising the, the, the thing I've, I've been falling back on a little bit and I'm not sure how much longer he'll have this leash, but you th- think about his last calendar year, you know, it's February now. And he's played very little basketball. He, you know, the month of February was normal, but then in March everything shuts down. He doesn't get the to participate in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, the world shuts down for a while. There was no summer league. There was no nothing. He, he doesn't get drafted until November. He has the preseason, and then after one game, gets hurt, misses a bunch of time. He's played a total of, I think, 11 games now, a total of 140 minutes of, like, 
games that count for something. Um, yeah, so, it's just so been uh... get comfortable again, man. But sooner rather than later, please, because it will get loud. But yeah, he's just been solving mysteries and chasing ghosts. <laughs> in there no uh bvd i was going to the same place and i i mean you can spin it pre-date in which again it, you're almost you're giving him too much of an excuse because but i mean two years of college and then all the corona stuff and leading up to this plus the injury um coming into tonight i think he only had 125 minutes played of nba basketball so it you know he's got the old thing going so that makes us nervous and it hasn't been pretty but i i still do think you know i, I don't want to fire from the hip yet because you know it hasn't looked awful it's looked weird we're making a lot of scooby-doo jokes but um we'll, we'll give it a little time and it, as much as we joke about how he moves around, not looking natural, not looking comfortable, if you actually like single, singly focus on him and, and look at his numbers specifically, it isn't like it's not a lost cause. Can we run some alley oops for him? Yeah, please. Like that'd be nice. fun. We tried that, and Alfred Payton just throws like a line, <laughs> yeah, a, a chest pass to him. We'll in our group chat, at least, I don't know if we've tweeted or said it on the pod. We've been joking about just having an alley oop only practice, and I'm still for that. Yeah. That's uh, that's that's all Fizdale did, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, blind squirrel found a nut. Got got myself with that one, which is a little sad. Um, I mean, do we want to do the not fun stuff, Frank and Knox? We touched upon it a little bit. I mean. We'd think, like to see him out there, but not really. Yeah, nice. I mean, we we'll have to let's see what happens in these next few games. I know Frank's still coming off injury, so I don't I don't want to rush to to make that discussion happen since I think we got a, we got a bit of a longer pod going on already. It is a long pod. Um, and hey, you know, circling back, we played. Two of the best NBA teams so far this season this week. Um, the team that was not those teams, the Knicks beat. Knicks won. So um, we'll see. Um, the Knicks have been entertaining and kind of fun to watch. Is it a uh, – they've got the Bulls twice this week. So, okay, in theory, feels like you should be able to get a win there. Um, and then they wrap up back-to-back home, Portland and Miami. So, I don't know, four Knicks games this week. Um Maybe on that back to back, we'll we'll see some different guys get some minutes to rest the bodies a little bit. But and that's um, tough, Jay, because like tomorrow's game is a is a second game of a back to back as well. Yeah. So we've got two second games of back to backs in a in a four game stretch. So that is that that's not pretty. That's not what you want. No. Um. So yeah, we'll see the back to back tomorrow with Chicago. Um. And hey, you know we're talking about these guys need minutes. Use the young guys. Um. I'd like to think Tibbs and the staff are monitoring that a little bit. Um, I don't know if you guys have checked your phones yet. It looks like Brooklyn just lost in unbelievable fashion. Um, Beal, three, stolen inbounds, Russ, three, with like four <laughs> seconds left. Um, so, hey. A Russ, yeah. three is crazy. NBA is <laughs> tough. Um, I don't know. Do you guys want to do a quick what, what we're watching? Someone's yeah. watching the highlight right now. Sorry. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, I guess we can 
we can move on. We could, we could do a quick predictions of what the record's going to be. So as we do, so I think they'll grab one of these Chicago games and then probably lose one of them. I'm going to go with two and two here because that other my that Miami game they're actually playing Miami twice in a row as well. So I think they can grab one of those Miami games and one of the Chicago games. But that second Miami game isn't part of this week. So I'll just assume they're going to win the one this week. So two and two from me. Beating. Copy and paste. Dame Lillard in the garden. I kind of won't ever bet against that until the Knicks are a different team. And the last time they faced Portland, the Knicks gave them the little scare because that was the quickly 31-point game. And it felt like if they got him in the game like three minutes earlier, they would have really been in trouble. Uh, So I don't think Portland lets that become an issue again. This is the first time that the whole podcast has agreed on the same. Like, this is our podcast prediction. That's never happened because it's never been allowed. But... And because and we've never checked. So I've assumed, <laughs> I assume it is the yeah. first time. So, I mean, yes, we're saying two. and I mean, I agree. Copy, paste, whatever. Yeah, two and two. Taking one be, from the Bulls, taking that first heat game. Be pretty hype if they could be. The Bulls twice, which is a very lame sentence by me in so many different ways. Pretty hype. <laughs> yeah, we, I, I agree, though. We would be what pretty hype. What the hell is that? I, I'd be hype. Let's we get a long stretch tomorrow. of minutes for Knox on, in the Monday night Bulls game. Let him shoot. Shoot a couple threes. If they go in, he'll try. We'll which is a bad attitude, it. dude. Yeah, it's not it's good. Should be the exact opposite. <laughs> Good, yeah, we might very, we very well might have to fully revisit and do the bad attitude conversation if this week goes a certain way. Ooh, my God! Um, I like ya, boys. It is getting kind of late. Anything you want to get off your chest? We're good. Tom, you wrote a couple articles this week. You want to hype those more? Uh, I mean, I tried to work them in. I kind of shoehorn them in every chance I had when I got to talk. So uh, I wrote one for Nick's film school. That was, um, it was a three, two, one, one of my three observations, two yeah. questions and a prediction. Um, I, I brought that, I, that column idea from the B-ball index, brought it on over to Nick's film school. And then I wrote one for uh, daily Nick's, the fan sided Nick's page about Frank Nielakina, his fit in the, in the rotation. Um, so yeah, you can go check those out. They're on my Twitter at Tom underscore Piccolo. Do you guys want? Do you guys want to do a quick what else is on? I could I could go really quickly. Let's yeah, do a quick what else is on. Yeah. So uh, uh, Rose and I did finish the flight attendant on HBO, and I I'm gonna give it the stay away. Don't. I I'm kind of doing a, is tough. I'm kind of doing a 180 from what I said at the beginning, where I was like, this is kind of a fun show. I mean, eventually you, you realize that there are kind of like two separate storylines and you expect them as narrative shows tend to do to intertwine them and for them to come together. And they just don't, they're entirely separate ideas and they have nothing to do with each other. And you're just like, why, why did I even watch that other one? If this was the main thing going on, it was, (laughs) it was honestly just not very well thought out. And it was, it kind of just got dumb at the end. Like by the end, Rose was just like, this is the last one. Right. So then we can watch something else now. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that is the case. So done with the flight attendant, and um, I, I, I'm just gonna reverse my original recommendation and say just, just stay away. That's 
good. So I I just finished up Crashing with Pete Holmes, which I've watched throughout its run. It's a good show. I do. I still give it my my stamp of approval. Um, three seasons. Third season was the final season. Good show. Good ending. Um, then I finished up Normal People, which was also like like what Tom said with Flight Attendant. That was just one where I I had just gotten too deep and I just had to finish it. Uh, I'll I'll say you don't need to watch that one. But, but read the book. <laughs> I <It> feel <laughs> awkward. <laughs> don't watch with your folks. I yes. I feel like Pete Holmes. I've never been a huge fan, but other funny people I like are always like Pete Holmes is the best. So that makes me like him. He definitely yeah. has like an aw shucks kind of shtick to him, doesn't he? Like a yeah, he's like a guy who could. Just like make anything goofy and funny, and and he's very clean as well. So, I mean, he's fine by me. I don't, I don't think he's the funniest, but I think he's he's capable of being funny in any in any instance. First of all, funny, okay. Good clean humor. I've been you know I've been rocking Girl More Girls. I'm I'm about halfway through season six now, so. Hopefully, within the next couple of weeks, here finish that up. That's 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 been a big project for me. Uh, watch the next episode of Your Honor, which I've started to really dislike. I'm I'm afraid to mention that to to John Boy and Katie in the office because they've been really into it. But I I'm really not liking it. This last episode was a real stinker. Um, it's not a spoiler. They get COVID involved in it, so like they mention we're in like a trial sequence. He's the judge. There's trials in the show. That's not a spoiler. Um, and, and he mentions like, yep, there will be no press allowed because of this virus going around. And they have exactly one person wearing a mask. And it's like, what? And it's like they were trying to make like this like symbolism that like the person wearing the mask is the smart person in here. But like, why would not? It's the beginning of COVID, presumably, in, in the show. So like... They kind of like oh, everyone should be wearing masks. They're all still like sitting right next to each other. They didn't space them throughout the courtroom or anything. And and like also like the sun, people still just like that don't did not have to be there. We're allowed in the courtroom. It's like if you're gonna do COVID, do the COVID part. But like this isn't that. And then uh, but last night I also watched a movie. I watched Our Idiot Brother, which I hadn't seen before. Paul Rudd. Uh, I believe a 2011 film was on Hulu. It's just good, clean, good, clean humor. Not that clean, I guess, but some good laughs. All right, man. America's sweetheart. Oh, and I was, and I just found out Obi Toppin's middle name is Richard, which got me pretty good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Jay, Jake, what else is on for you? Obi Dick Toppin. Um, we've been. Watching a little Seinfeld, which has been fun. Uh, me and Jess both grew up in Seinfeld homes. Um, so it's uh, Hulu's got a really fun setup on it. It's got like you could obviously watch it in order or it's got like the top 10. It's got like famous word episodes, famous phrases like yada, yada, yada. Um, so you can click around and navigate it pretty well. And it's uh, what we've been doing is like we'll click one of the big ones and then we'll watch a couple and then we'll go find another big one. And it's always that like kind of rush when you click a big one. So like Jess clicked like the marine biologist one and I'm like, whoa, like this is this is a good big night for us. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, it still holds up pretty good, man, um, which uh, 
is is impressive in its own right. And uh, watch Superbad the other night, which uh, we we have a bit of a famous story in this in this very talking Nick's about. Um, Tom was going away to college uh, the night after that Superbad came out, so we we're like, what a way to end. I mean, senior summer? Are you kidding me? Going into college? We were like going to see Superbad. I was all jazzed up. I think it was my idea, and I you'll see why I'm bragging about it being my idea in a second. So well, we and it up. was like it was prime Judd Apatow. Like this was at his the peak of his powers. Like there was so much anticipation to go to a movie theater. It's hard to remember that now because like people don't really go to movie theaters anymore. Back then, we got a big group together. We yeah. went to Hooters first. Yeah, we went to Hooters ordered a bunch of wings, having a great time, and then went to the movie theater. And I'll, I'll leave that to you, Jay. So we got to the movie theater for the midnight showing to get our tickets. And uh, yeah, the midnight showing was the next night. So um, be careful when you're picking your midnight showings. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> right, because it was like it was like August 16th is when the movie comes out or whatever. And so it, technically when midnight strikes, it is now August 16th by calendar you know by any means that is now august 16th but they're like actually we mean next midnight so technically august 17th but it's midnight and they're like we go by business days here it's very confusing it was our explanation 16th day of work their explanation to us didn't make sense either. So right, we were in the right. I was just mad at myself because I thought I, I got it wrong. But technically, by the book, I was right. But you got to do like an eleven fifty nine or something. Um, hopefully, they learn from that. Either way, <laughs> super bad still holds. Um, it's so I will good. say the one thing that was funny. I mean, now I am closer in age to the police officers than I am <laughs> the kids. Wow. Uh, so it's uh wow. you know th- like that scene when they're talking to McLovin on the bed and you know we we blocked your cock like I'm <laughs> I'm closer to the cops than McLovin and it used to not be that way so that oh was my God. Uh, I never thought about that well well yeah so that's what I'm watching good stuff beautiful um boys good Nick stuff good watching stuff uh go read Tom stuff go check out. Talking Nects on the Twitter, Big Baby David, Greg Poon, myself. Um, and I don't know, go follow someone random and just be like, hey, what's up? Uh, maybe not, if, unless they're a kid or something. <laughs> if they're like looking Stupid for followers, there. I guess. Um, we appreciate it, you guys. The Knicks have been fun this year, and we're we're having fun doing it. And how crazy is it that the Knicks being 9 and 12 are fun? Um, so thank you, guys. Uh, I will have one parting shot before we go. Mitch Robinson, have a big week. I need a little something from you. Um, hasn't hasn't hit double digits in his last four games. I know that's not necessarily what he's out there to do, but also get one of them. Couple dunks, couple offensive rebounds. You're home. I mean, he sent yeah. that tweet. He said, "Someday they'll let me play." So yeah, hey, we're letting you play, baby. Let's go play. <laughs> we are ready for you to play. <laughs> um, all right, boys. Let's hey, let's go next, huh? Next tape. Bang.